Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Toolkit podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm actually with other human beings today, which is unusual for me. I'm wearing pants and I'm podcasting live from Suffolk University Law School. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. Now, as always, I'm your host, Jared Korea, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms. Check us out at redcavelegal.com to find out more. You can also buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes at Amazon, and you could probably find an extra copy at my mom's house. Here on the Legal Talk Network, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the innovations that are taking place at Suffolk University Law School. But before I introduce today's guest, let me take a moment to thank our sponsors. First off, Answer One. AnswerOne is the leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visiting them online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion delivers award-winning law firm web design and online marketing programs to get you more cases. Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and grow their practices. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. This podcast is also brought to you by Amicus Attorney, developers of legal practice management software. Let Amicus help you run your practice so you can focus on what you do best, practice law. Visit amicusattorney.com and get started today. So this morning, for your listening pleasure, I have Gabriel Tenenbaum. Gabe? Should I do Gabe? Yeah, let's do Gabe. All right, Gabe Tenenbaum. We're really informal today, despite the fact that we're wearing pants. So I'm going to try a little something different today. Usually I read a bio, but I'm kind of bored with that. So Gabe, can you tell the folks a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, glad to. First of all, Jared, great to be with you. And and this is the first time I've ever been interviewed by someone wearing a throwback jersey, let alone a 1970s Fred Lynn throwback jersey. Baller, I know. It's pretty exciting (laughs) stuff. All right, so... um, What I do is I work here at Suffolk Law School in Boston, and I'm a member of the faculty. I'm a professor of legal writing. But what I spend most of my time on nowadays is on legal technology and innovation. So we have what's called the Institute on Law Practice, Technology, and Innovation. And then we have an academic concentration, sort of like an undergraduate major in legal tech and innovation. And that's my show. And um, what that means is I spend a lot of time with students and a lot of times with graduates and and people uh, in the practice of law helping them think about what it means to be a, a lawyer nowadays and in the future. All right, Gabe. Well, welcome, and thanks for taking the time. So let's talk a little bit more about the Suffolk thing, because I've worked with Suffolk Law, and I'm an alumnus of Suffolk Law, believe it or not. They still let me in the building. So can you talk a little bit about what you're doing in terms of legal technology at Suffolk? Yeah, glad to. So. We have this really exciting program for our students, and we try to bring others in too. But the idea is to get every single one of our students thinking about what it means to embrace technology innovation. So we have this concentration where students who choose to can take a series of defined courses in things like document automation, expert systems, process improvement slash project management. They learn specific skills that they can take into the workplace that, frankly, not very many lawyers have. So the idea is that they leave this place 
with just a unique skill set. And then the other thing we try to do is get folks experiences along the way. So part of the concentration is that they complete an internship in a law firm doing legal tech or in say a legal tech startup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the experiences these students have are just like bananas. I wish I had these opportunities when I was in law school. <laughs> Jealous. Uh, yeah. And and it's showing on the back end too. So We've graduated a few classes. Dean Perlman, Andy Perlman, started this program before he became dean, and then I, I replaced him as the director. And since graduating a few classes, we've had basically a hundred percent employment rate for people that go into legal tech and innovation. So oh, we have people awesome. working at big firms. We have people working at legal tech startups, and then frankly, we have people that have gone to work for traditional firms that are using the sort of skills that we teach in traditional marketplaces. So it's really been cool. That's good. So whether they're going into legal tech, whether they're going into traditional legal, they find a space. That's awesome. They find a space, yeah. So let's talk about our mutual friend, Andy Perlman. Yeah. Andy, Andy and I used to talk a lot before he became dean, but now he's big time. And man. He's a, you got to text him You still him talk now. to him? You got to text, text him. He's a busy him. guy. That's what you got to do? All right, I'll text him. So, <laughs> no, Andy's um, a great guy. So talk a little bit about what he's doing. Sure. So in addition to you know the stuff like running a major law school, we're, we're still one of the biggest law schools in the country. Oh, yeah. And other stuff like having like a successful family life with a bunch of kids at home. Andy is involved with the ABA Center on Innovation. So yeah. um, he, he's sort of the person that the people at the center report to, and he's sort of the representative of, of the American Bar Association on innovation. So they're doing just remarkable work. Um, one of the projects that we're working on now is a hate crimes app, and we're working on it with mm. a bunch of other partners, uh, um, the ABA, Stanford, Curo, our, our friends yeah. Nicole Braddock and, and Chad oh, yes. Burton, and others are, are working on this project to create an app to help capture and give information about hate crime. So that's the kind of thing that Andy's doing at the ABA Center on Innovation. They're also uh, working on a cool project to get graduates of law schools, including people like graduates of Suffolk, mm -hmm. involved right after graduation with fellowships so that they can plan for a career in innovation. And the reality is that we give our students a great opportunity to hit the ground running right after law school, but there are like 200 some odd law schools in yeah. the US and yeah. you know 190 of them don't enter this space at all. So the real opportunities that Andy's creating at the ABA and and you know of course the ABA stuff is different. He's doing great stuff here at the law school too. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool. And this is like I don't know if a lot of people know about this who listen, but this is a fairly recent thing for law schools to be doing. Like when I was in law school even like 15 years ago there was not even a mention of this. And that was probably true even five years ago. Wasn't even so. a mention. There were, there were a few schools that had JD MBA programs. So if yeah. you were a really savvy student, yeah. you could, over on the MBA side, say like, oh, I'm going to take a class in um, Lean Six Sigma mm -hmm. and then think about how it might apply to law. But the idea of a, of a law school having these sorts of courses in its catalog is just was a non- factor a few years ago. And now our catalog has, I don't know, 15 or 20 courses that yeah. are, are in yeah. really, really sophisticated tech and innovation topics. I mean, we teach students to code. We teach students how to start a, a virtual law practice mm -hmm. or unbundle legal services. Yeah. And it's not just high level talk. We're in there teaching them the actual tools, how to do it so that they can do it on their own or, or, you know, go into an organization and help that organization modernize. It makes sense. Lawyers have always had so many useful transferable skills, that, but they always applied them to substantive law practice previously. Right. Right. There's not necessarily a reason that you have to do that. And we're still, by the way, we're still doing those things at Suffolk yes. Law. So no, my other course, affiliation here is the Legal Practice Program. So still apply program. to Suffolk if you want to do substantive legal work. Well, look, I mean, we're, we're the only school... We're the only school in the U.S. that has, of the U.S. news rankings, we're the only school that has 
four programs ranked in the top 25. My other affiliation is the Legal Practice Skills Program, which helps students yeah. think about legal analysis. Yeah. It's ranked number six in the country. Yes. So yeah. um, it's not that we're not doing these other cool things. It's that we're doing extra, extra cool things. That's good that you memorize those rankings. Kudos to you. I practice. The administration must love that. Now, let me ask you about something called space repetition. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what the hell that is. So can you tell me a little bit about it and how it applies to the law? Yeah, sure. So... Um, I've been working on a project for the last few years, um, and the product of it is a website called spacedrepetition.com. Space, yeah, I even got it wrong. Space spacedrepetition.com. Okay. So space repetition is a science, and basically it works like this. When we study traditionally, like we cram, we try to learn a whole bunch of information at once, and when we stop studying, we very, very quickly lose that knowledge. Spaced repetition instead says, well, look, why don't you just kind of look it over once, and then rate how well you think you know this information, mm-hmm. right? And then- based on how well you say you know it, our computer software will tell you when to review it again. And, oh, and what happens is that, and this has been studied to death, there's say 250 peer reviewed studies on, on the science of space repetition. Hmm. Um, what happens is people learn way more in way less net time by using space repetition. So hmm. you'd expect someone to remember a fact, uh, they'd have about a 20% likelihood of remembering a fact a month after studying it if they crammed it. Yeah. They'd have a 92% chance of remembering it a month later hmm. if they use spaced repetition. So Suffolk supported this, and I created a website called Spaced Repetition, got together a bunch of law professors and said, look, you guys are specialists in these various uh, bar exam topics. Yeah. Let's create content for students and then put it on top of this platform. Mm-hmm. So it's starting to take hold. There are about 3,700 users nationally. And oh, uh, we've had some really good results. There's one law school that used it this past year, offered it to their entire graduating class and said, look, we'll buy it for you. You got to promise to use it. And if you promise to use it, you can have an account. If you're not going to use it, we're not going to buy you an account. Mm. Most of the students took them up on it. Some did not. This is in cro- across their entire class. Yeah. And students who used it passed the bar at a 19.2% higher rate than those that didn't. Oh, that's awesome. So like that's a real impact. That's and that legitimate. changes lives yes. and that raises the school's bar passage rate. Mm-hmm. So this site, spacedrepetition.com, is something I've been working on for a couple of years. And, and uh, it's really sort of a passion project. All right, so folks, go to spacedrepetition.com to check it out. I solved that problem when I was in school by just not studying. Yeah, that 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 works. Oh, well, it doesn't work, but it, it produces consistent results. We <laughs> yeah, can graduated. Say <laughs> right, right. All right, let's talk a little bit about another school. Yeah. So you're working with Yale as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing over there? Yeah, sure. So I'm spending part of the year this year as a visiting fellow at the Yale Information Society Project. So I'm there every Thursday, and I spend the whole day down there, and it is just awesome. So ISP is a program that works at the intersection of law, society, and technology. So things like thinking about how algorithms affect everyday people and how what the legal impacts are of algorithms. Um, mm. Blockchain and Bitcoin, thinking about legal regimes that might apply to those. Thinking about things like um, freedom in an era where technology is changing fast and what it looks like to have the Freedom of Information Act when there's access to storage of all the documents that are associated with it. So I'm at Yale every Thursday, um, and it's just been a remarkable experience, not just because of the kind of things that this group talks about, but the kind of people that are associated with it. And, you know, they're, they're of course, professors and PhDs and, and, and people within the legal discipline, but the really interesting thing to me, at least, surprising, has been that some of the the best, or at least to me, the most interesting thinkers have been people from like totally different disciplines. Mm-hmm. So there's a woman who is a Russian slash Danish artist who, who's a member of this program. 
And she just has the greatest ideas about this sort of intersectional work. Are you sure this isn't a cult? Yeah. I just want to make sure. Uh, well, 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 we'll see if I can extricate myself at the end of the year. Then, That's then right. The, the proof will be in the pudding. Don't but, drink any Kool-Aid that anyone hands you. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you want to say anything more no, about I you? I, I don't know if there is anything more to say. After, after I went to the Jim Jones level. Yeah, I understand. Um, so this is all great stuff that you're doing at Suffolk and at Yale. You're at Yale on Thursdays. Thursday is like taco night at my house. So big doings. Well, I get home in time for taco night. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Excellent. We'll we do, do vegetarian do at home. So oh. we do we do tofu tacos. Oh, nice. Yeah. We'll have to do a joint taco night one night. We should make that happen. All right. Don't bring any of that beef over to my house. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to take a break at this time. And uh, we'll be back soon, however, with more from Gabe Tenenbaum, professor at Suffolk University Law School. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter AnswerOne Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. AnswerOne's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. AnswerOne helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. These days, law firms need to do more with less. Making this happen requires efficient, cost-effective tools that work the way you do. Available as a desktop or cloud solution, Amicus Attorney Practice Management Software improves the organization of your firm and drives your bottom line. Visit amicusattorney.com to discover how you can join the thousands of lawyers who rely on Amicus every day to run their practices. Not getting enough cases from the internet or the kind of cases you want? Scorpion can help. Over the last 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. During this time, Scorpion has won over 100 awards for its law firm website design and online marketing success. Join the thousands of law firms that partner with Scorpion and start getting more cases today. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. All right, now that you know what to buy, we'll be right back. Hey, Thanks for sticking with us through the break. At this point, we've got more with Gabe Tenenbaum, professor of law at Suffolk University Law School. So we talked a little about what's happening with Gabe at Suffolk and Yale to start with. In the second half of the uh, podcast, we're going to ask him about even more interesting things. So can you talk a little bit about access to justice and legal aid at this point in time? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we like to see and one of the things we like to build on is teaching students technologies that are going to help them in their law practice mm-hmm. or whatever they do in the delivery of legal services. Yes. And we always need projects to work on. We always need sort of a platform to teach them on. So we work hard to teach students technology and to get them trained up by doing access to justice projects. So let me tell you about one actually we have going in a couple of days. Yep. There's a new website called MassLegalAnswersOnline.org, MassLAO.org. And other states have this sort of project too, but it's new to Massachusetts. And the idea is low-income people can write in questions to this website in a secure way. Mm -hmm. Volunteer lawyers answer the questions after doing legal research. And it's a way to get more people, more legal assistance in a way they just would never have access to before. So 
what we've decided to do here is to engage our students in that process. So on Tuesday and Wednesday next week, every single one of our 1L students is going to take part in that project. And what we've done is we've been working with the parent organization Mm -hmm. for this website, which is Mass uh, Law Reform Institute. Yes. Uh, And we've been working with those people to identify questions that are appropriate for first-year law students. Mm. So we're going to run a research exercise. We, of course, want to teach our students real-life research, right? That's important. Yes. Um, But we want them to think about access to justice and legal technology too. So the way that we're going to do it is they're going to do a 55-minute real-time legal research project where they answer one of these real questions that's coming oh, that's through right. the website. Yeah. And then we have a system set up so that it's done safely, You know, so that there's uh, a lawyer that vets yes. it before one yes. of these 1Ls <laughs> is unleashed on the world. Yes, so never we have, trust the 1Ls. <laughs> right. But we have safeguards in place. So this has been a really, really important theme to what we're doing at Suffolk Law is mm. not just teaching students how to be great lawyers, but to teach them you know, part of that is using technology to help people who wouldn't otherwise get access to legal services. And, and this project's just one example. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, the access to justice legal aid community becomes sort of a laboratory, or it can, for a lot of these legal tech innovations. So that's great that you're using it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, my, I mean, my hope is that it's a big success. Mm-hmm. Come back in a week and I'll let you know. Uh, and, and then <laughs> what here. we'll do is, frankly, we'll, we'll put together a, a blueprint. We'll say, look, yeah. here's exactly how we did it. Because there is no reason that, you know, Rhode Island legal answers online or California legal answers online shouldn't do the exact same thing with their law students yes. because who, I mean, who loses in that deal? You have yeah. students that learn tech, you have students that appreciate access to justice and pro bono work. And then you have these organizations which are understaffed and underfunded, get a whole bunch of free good stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. That's what we're looking to do. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about process improvement, which is something I know you're passionate also about. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, before there was process improvement, there was just sort of a series of technicians that worked on problems in the marketplace. So the the easiest example to think about is the manufacturer of cars, and it's the one you hear the most often. So before Henry Ford and the assembly line, it took Mm -hmm. about 12 hours to make a car. After Henry Ford and the assembly line, it took about 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was a higher quality product, and it was done more more cheaply. So that sort of assembly line mentality is what's at the basis of – process improvement and project management. So in the, I guess it was the 90s, a couple of major companies started thinking about those assembly line technologies for their own use. I think Mm -hmm. Motorola was one of them, and I can't remember the others involved, but there there are others involved. And they created sort of a way to think about these problems called Lean and Six Sigma. Mm -hmm. Lean relates to um, improving processes, being more efficient and taking less steps and getting the right hands on projects. And Six Sigma has to do with making less errors. So we have a wonderful adjunct professor at the law school, Catherine McDonough, who's one of the world's leading experts on Lean Sigma Mm -hmm. as applied to law. To legal, yeah. And and it's a funny thing. The way that people are are demonstrate competence or the way they advertise competence, their credential is a belt, like a karate belt. Yes. yes. So we have I've heard of this weird thing, but please explain further. (laughs) We have students who go through these courses and they'll very proudly show up in my office and say, I've got a yellow belt. And what that means is is that they are good and they're knowledgeable in all the sort of basic tools related to process improvement project management. And we have dozens and dozens and dozens of students who have come through this place who understand the principles of process improvement and project management. And it's led to fantastic things. So let me give one example. Yeah. 
Uh, Liberty Mutual is an auto insurance company and an insurer you guys know about, mm -hmm. and the biggest employer in Massachusetts. They employ, oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Of any company based in Massachusetts, they mm. employ more people around the country. Mm. And they have a couple of problems headed this way. This is their me editorializing, yes, not them. Yes, I'll go but, ahead. But you know, they've got things like driverless cars, and, and when you yes. write policies for auto insurance, that's going to impact your business. Yeah. So they've started to spend some real energy thinking about how they can diversify and how they can create mm. additional streams of revenue, mm -hmm. how they can just be smarter. Yeah. So when they learned that we had a process improvement project management track and students that were involved in that, they got together with us, Andy Perlman and I and folks from Liberty Mutual sat down and said, how can we make this work for everyone? Mm. So we have a new relationship with Liberty Mutual where, oh, where awesome. they're, they're hiring our students for summer clerkships, for externships, and assigning them to their innovation group with the idea being that these students are specially qualified to go work on thinking about how to improve processes and how to do things more effectively. And it's also led to full-time employment for students. So we have a number of students who have gone out and just gotten jobs. We have one great student, our inaugural legal tech student actually is at Davis Wright Tremaine's DeNovo Group, which is oh, nice. you know really doing a great yeah, job. We great. have another student who's worked at DWT extensively mm -hmm. over the years as a contractor. We have other people who are now scrum masters for legal tech startups, which is sort of a spin-off technology that people use. For a while, I thought that was like a position in rugby, it, it, but it I, I finally it looked be, it up yeah. on like Wikipedia. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, process improvement project management is something that we've become really involved in, and, and I hope to scale it even larger because it's just an opportunity. And incidentally, not all of our students want to do legal tech. Some yeah. of them come here and say, look, I want to defend OUI cases or be yes. a family law lawyer, and, and that's a great thing. Yeah. And I love to find tools like process improvement project management that will be useful to anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's a win all around. No, no it's, what yeah, do. it's great. Uh, the more skills you can bring to bear, the better. The thing I like about like the purple belt Six Sigma people is that they're not likely to kick your ass like real purple belts. They're more likely to just take out a calculator. Well, there's no down. correlation. They might still be able to do They that. might still be able to. <laughs> but that's but the lean point. Six Sigma belt probably isn't going to help me do that. <laughs> that's right. All right. Can you talk a little bit about legal process innovation, which is a little different and a project you're engaged in right now on that front with Suffolk? Yeah. So, you know, over time, you know, I, I spend an increasing amount of time with law firms and people at legal departments and a lot of people have good ideas and they're testing good ideas. And the question that we have to sort of deal with is how can we codify this? In other words, what set of principles can we lay out so that people who are interested in innovation at law firms? Yeah can do it better. Mm -hmm. And you know, the reality is there are a lot of people out there that say, I know we need to do something. I don't know what to do. I don't know what roadmap to look for. Yeah. So a project I've, I've recently sort of become involved in and the project is evolving is to actually lay out a set of principles. And you know, one of the principles is seek feedback and, and make improvements. Yep. And, and in that vein, it started out as the 10 principles of legal innovation. <laughs> I asked a whole bunch of questions. And I'm proud to <laughs> announce that it's now the 11 principles of legal nice. innovation yes. uh, in version 2.0. That's more than the commandments, by the way. I just uh, want to throw that out there. I'm not, I'm not going to touch that one, but um, it, <laughs> we it's- We can talk about religion on the show. It's fine. <laughs> so, so the idea here is that we want to help people who are doing this in practice think meaningfully yeah. about like, hey, if I'm going to go to my executive committee and say we should lay out money, what things should we be laying mm -hmm. money out on? Mm -hmm. So um, this project, the 10, now 11 principles of legal innovation is really one that I'm interested to see where it goes. And what it's going to require ultimately is people to test it. Yeah. And what I want is someone to say, oh, I'm going to try some or all these principles and capture some data related to it and then circle back and say, 
wow, principle number seven, that's spot on, but principle number eight, let's think about adjusting it this way. Yeah. Then we'll adjust it and try it again yeah. uh, until yeah. we really hone it. So um, cool project uh, that that's awesome. I'm proud to be involved in. Yeah. And you've got your horde of minions here at the law school who are always willing to help you out. <laughs> uh, no, I, don't, I don't know about that. So, so uh, you know, it's funny. Of all the cool things that I get to be involved in and participate in, I always sort of remark to myself that, I still get to go home at the end of the day and wash the dishes. Yes, and which is really nice. Uh, so my minions aren't that great, but, it, <laughs> but it's it's you know it's it's a nice way to spend part of the day. You'll get there. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. You write a number of popular blog posts, and this is only your most recent one. So you just wrote something about the principles of innovation. Can you talk a little bit about that, and then also let people know how they can find this post if they want to take a look at it? Sure. So. Um, I've tried to become a more active blogger and be better about posting things across social media. Mm. Um, so my personal site is lawtomatic.com. It's a good one, right? Yeah, I like Lawtomatic. that a lot. You should really trademark that. <laughs> um, Let me know. I know people. <laughs> It's a, it's a, if they work pro bono. So it's an access to justice project for me. So, so, uh, lawtomatic.com is the place to find me. And of course, I'm at Suffolk Law and I want to invite people to check out what we're doing here collectively. It's not just me, it's a team effort. We have just a great team. Yeah. And, and folks can find us at legaltech.suffolk.edu, which is our microsite devoted to this kind of work. We do all kinds of projects with others too. I know, Jared, you've been involved with meetup groups. I've been involved with meetup yeah. groups. And, and one yep. of the things that we try to do under this broader umbrella is recognize that this isn't just for our current students, it's for yeah. our community. Mm -hmm. and, and that means a lot of people. So uh, I encourage people to check out what we're doing. Uh, and if you're not in Boston, you know, check us out online. We try to stream stuff and put stuff out there so others can, can learn about it. So the blog posts are all at lawtomatic.com. You got it. All right, everybody go check that out. Sadly, that's going to do it for this episode of the Legal Toolkit. I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America. Wait, does that mean I market. won't be back on future no, shows? No, you're not coming back. Sorry. It's a deal. No, you come back maybe. Like, we'll, we'll let it breathe a little bit. Let's schedule something for 2019. Like a fine wine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. Exactly. It's a deal. <laughs> If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, but not Gabe's, however, you can check out our entire show anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So take a look at the archive. We've got some good shows there. So thanks again to Gabe Tenenbaum, professor of law at Suffolk University Law School for dropping by like an actual studio today. We're really sitting across from each other. So Gabe, can you tell people a little bit about some of the ways that they can find out more about you and about Suffolk if they want to? Yeah, gladly. So um, my Twitter handle is G-Tenenbaum, G-T-E-N-I-N-B-A-U-M. Sorry, that's hard to spell. That's what they gave us at Ellis Island. <laughs> my personal website is lawtomatic.com. And of course, uh, the site for the legal tech program at Suffolk is legaltech.suffolk.edu. And I'd love it if you check any of those out. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again to Gabe Tenenbaum of Suffolk University Law School. And thanks to all of you out there for putting up with me for another month. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, 
Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. It's a very rare broadcast where I'm actually wearing pants, to be honest with you. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.